All right, Empires of the Future. So we didn't talk about this before we started, but since you just said it before we ate lunch, we've done this for a year. Right. So I thought maybe we could just call this season two. Hey, that's a good idea. Beginning of season two, we had a special episode last week, kind of spot. It was kind of impromptu. uh, We thought, hi, we got to talk about this. So that was like a special episode. Right. And then we can start a new season. I like that. Uh, So... uh, if we want to be British, we can say series. Okay. If we want to be American, we say season. I, so I guess, given what we're talking about today, we're going to have to be American. We'll go season. Stay season. We'll go season. So, uh, so let's. Why don't we? Because we didn't really get to do this last week. Uh, catch up on how's how's life. Here's a big big news coming from your home. Right. Well, look, you inspired me. Yeah. Uh, you all have your third child, so we, you know, we thought, and why not? I why would we not <laughs> yeah. have our third child as well? Um, and so it looks like in July, right at the beginning of July, oh, we'll nice. have our third child. We don't know what we're going to have yet, but um, we're gearing up. By then, uh, we'll, we'll nearly have uh, a six-year-old and a four-year-old, and so... That's what we're doing. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so, any names that you've already picked out, or because yeah, no, I don't know what gender it is. We, we yeah. are right, and we we talked the other day. We're not anywhere yet. Okay. <laughs> now, y'all want to? Do y'all get the gender revealed before? Or yes. Y'all wait until we certainly will. Okay. I, I I would probably do it. My wife is definitely definitely needs to know. Yeah. She's a planner. Yes. She was an organizer. Yes. She wants to have it together. I give so. props to the people that are like, no, we'll wait till the whatever. Oh comes yeah, out. those people. I'm amazed yeah. at that. Yeah, they are. Uh, there's a minority of those, uh, but I want to give them props sure. for, for for doing <laughs> that. So, uh, so we we have a obviously we we talked about uh, last week. Uh, about what happened at right. the U.S. Capitol on Wednesday, January the 6th. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit, not necessarily about that directly, but we'll obviously probably re- refer to it as well. But this is an article you found on, is it Asia Times? Asian Times? Yeah, so... Yeah, that's kind of odd. It's, Asia this Times. major story com. about America, yeah. Uh, you book know, I, I honestly don't know uh, a lot about AsiaTimes.com. I, I cannot remember running into it again. Uh, but this is a very solid book review yeah. uh, that they put on there. And uh, I, I, I'm sure I ran into this article through uh, Twitter or something that somebody linked to it. Because this is a little, maybe a couple weeks ago or three, that uh, I first sent this to you. And um, it, you picked it out of kind of the ones we've been kicking around for the last few weeks because it is timely. Uh, it's about when America's religion goes wrong is the title of the article. And, and we have a lot of questions about... Um, what is our religion? Uh, it, we will do well today, and, and it will be helpful to define Christianity, and what yeah, Christianity yeah. is and what it isn't, Yeah, um, because there seems to be some confusion about that right now. But then, does America have uh, other religions? Uh, and, and maybe not, you know, obviously we've, we've always been open to freedom of religion, but right. uh, we're going to be talking today about how a religion gets defined and uh, what characteristics of it are. Yeah, I mean, there has been that word being thrown around about religion. That uh, obviously there's uh, there's a secular identity that is made up of a, a large group of people in the United States who don't identify with uh, a particular definition of who God is or a particular right. religion. But maybe they're religious or maybe they're spiritual uh, and a little more uh, as we call the rising nuns, mm-hmm. nuns, the people who don't identify with a. Uh, a religion per se, which therefore is a religion of, of itself, right? Yep. Secular religion. Uh, but also, um, uh, yeah, there's been some commentary about the group of people that were down at the U.S. Capitol last week um, who uh, may uh, claim to be uh, biblical Christians. Uh, but some of the observation is is that more of their their religion is a, is a bit different. It's kind of like Trump as their as their spiritual savior and hero, uh, who they listen to, who has authority in a sense in their life that they he dicta- he says things and then they follow, right? right. Uh, and there's a certain culture, a certain uh, uh, pageantry and branding that it goes along with that as well, with the red hats and the flags and all the kind of uh, things that. So the, and it's, people are kind of saying that's almost its own religion in and of itself, you right. know. So uh, so America is somewhat at a, an interesting spot when it comes to. To a religion, so I think this is a really helpful, I guess, book review. 
right. of... Right, so it's a book review right. of a book by Joshua Mitchell called American Awakening, right. uh, Identity, Politics, and Other Afflictions of Our Time. I always appreciate a guy who tips his hand straight from the start. Yeah. Not a big fan of identity politics. Right. Uh, but he has, a, he has what I think is an incredibly cogent analysis of what identity politics is yeah. and uh, what it can and can't do for us. And so worth looking through. You made a, you made a good point. We were eating lunch that, uh, you know, for a lot of Americans, especially Americans who are part of the, the, uh, the greatest generation, right? right? Born before World War II, and those who were born maybe uh, short after. You know, life has moved really fast. Um, history is moving at, a, at, a, at a, an extremely fast pace. And you were saying quite well that, you know, we went from gay marriage to transgender rights like that, right? Mm-hmm. And almost in a flash. And then, you know, the rights of African Americans have popped back up again, right? Uh, and so there's like all of this different... Uh, groups of people with their own kind of identity by which they relate to that are wanting rights, they're wanting legitimacy. And there's a group going, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, how did we get to this point where there's all these groups of people are yelling for identity rights or rights and they identify themselves with these things. And it's just hard to kind of gather and hold on to this and organize it for for many people. Right. We were talking about just um, there's... Confusion. You, you and I feel confused by uh, some people who seem to want to back off from reality and the things that are happening, and kind of go, "I don't, I don't have any interest in living in a world where certain kinds of things that are happening right now are happening, and how far people will retreat into that world." It is a, a fast pace of change, mm. and um, a part of why we're doing this podcast is just to try to think through how how can we continue to be about. Uh, the work of the Christian faith? How can we continue to love people and serve people, uh, not lose our head when change happens that is unpredictable? Um, mm. Look, you want to be winsome. You don't want to be defensive and, and angry right. uh, all the time. And, and uh, goodness, if there's one thing I can say that the last four years have really impressed upon me even further is that this has been uh, a defensive and angry period led by a defensive and angry leader in, yeah. in Donald Trump. And I, I don't think that's helpful for right. uh, for anybody from uh, from any group in our country right now. Yeah. We need we got to learn to be winsome, uh, and and so this article actually. I think can help us to get there thinking about the things that are happening. So it's an analysis of uh, American culture first and understanding its place in Christianity. So let me, let me hit you with this first sentence. Uh, He says, paradoxically, what made America strong also makes it inherently fragile. Uh, Joshua Mitchell, a professor of government at Georgetown university presents a cogent diagnosis of America's dark night of the soul in a remarkable New book. So, why is American identity fragile? Yeah, you know, I, I, I never really thought of that until reading this. Like, and, and we were, you know, I've been to a lot of different countries around the world, and you know, you go to a new place. You go. To, I, I lived in Sweden for a little bit. I've been to Spain. I've been to England. I've been to Turkey, and and uh, you know, you think of their cultures, and you think of you know certain things that 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 they embrace, that they love, um, and. Uh, this idea of the fragileness of the American identity is, mm-hmm. is this something I've never, never thought of because it, you're like, what does it mean to be an American? And you always think, ah, oh, it's about, it's about hot dogs. It's about, uh, it's about sports and baseball mm-hmm. and football. It's about the Super Bowl. It's about our movies and our yeah. art and our culture and, and, you know, our technology, like, uh, Apple and and uh, you know our our iPhones. All these things come from America, and the world right. embraces these things, and they they enjoy these things. And it comes from America. Uh, liberty, right? People come to Philadelphia to look at the Liberty Bell, right? The Liberty, the home of liberty. And you think about all these things, and you think, well, this is what it means to be an American. But some of these things do seem like there's cracks in all of these mm-hmm. kind of areas. And you know, not everyone loves baseball. Not mm-hmm. everyone loves hot dogs. Actually, I prefer, you know, I don't like eating meat or, uh, I don't like country music, right? I prefer other forms of music. And, and you try to ask yourself is like, what does it really do? What does it mean to be an American? Mm-hmm. You know? And, uh, and some people, as we saw last Wednesday are wanting to, uh, even the idea of democracy and the, the will of the people, mm-hmm. uh, and liberty is, it's somewhat, uh, uh, 
in at war, right? Because um, um, you know the the sense of, it, it, even the idea that you can say something, right? You, can, you on Twitter, right? You mm-hmm. can say something on Twitter, and that's free speech. Even that right there is somewhat not held to. They could take that off, right? And people yeah. say you can't speak that way. It's it's wrong to to use those type of words or sentences or phrases. And so uh, we are in a sense where I think now maybe more Americans are coming to the realization that. I don't know what it really means to be an American. And also all the things that I thought it meant to be American, are those really, those things even real? Are those things even things that all Americans behold or hold dear? Or is it just me and the people that I am friends with or people mm-hmm. that I know? So I think it's a great question to ask. I don't know if I have a really good answer. Right. And uh, in part, that's one of the points here yeah. is that you're in a struggle to find a unified answer yes. uh, <laughs> because... We don't do identity as a country the way, say, Germany right. or England right. uh, or Korea right. or, or China. Right. You know, we're not rooted. And that's going to drive a lot of issues right. uh, when you are without roots. Right. I mean, uh, I, I can start out by saying, you know, I mean, my last name is Van Dyke. That is Dutch. Right. And frankly... That's about all we know. Yeah, and and, and, it, and if if you are listening to this and that also describes your story, then listen. That is that is one of the major starting points for why this is an issue. Because if you if you have no idea right uh, uh, of what your roots are, uh, I mean, look, I I have assumed since uh, my family's not been particularly that wealthy that. People came from the Netherlands a while back looking for a better opportunity. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, that's all, that assumption is, is about all we have uh, on my uh, dad's side. My, my mother uh, was a Lacey, and we know about as much. You know, yeah. Lacey is a French and yeah, name. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's a lot, of a, a lot of the starting point for what it is for a lot of American people. You, have you ever run into somebody... Um, Think about this. Think about the last time you you met somebody uh, in the United States, and they were they considered themselves American, but they also knew a bunch of generations back. Not just names, but uh, what country their family came from, why they might have come, right. what what were their goals in right. doing it, what, what yeah. were the links between their nobody. You don't meet those people. Yeah, you don't. You don't. And nope. and and in part, I think we uh, accept this because. Well, I mean, it was a few generations back. It's like, no, look, that's um, if you didn't leave some of these uh, other countries to come here, you would at least have more of a sense of rootedness, of connection. Yeah. yeah. And we just typically don't have that. Yeah, it's almost like you know, uh, America is like, yeah, it's a it's a land with a border. It mm-hmm. has two oceans, it's the Pacific and the Atlantic. It has people who live there, mm-hmm. but. It's a nation that's almost without culture. It's an it's an it's a, it's almost like a yeah. It has a form of government. It has a leader, a president. But some of those people don't even consider them their president, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which the British would never do that with their queen. Yep, they would never. You know, I would I doubt it. Germans would consider Angela Merkel like well. I didn't vote for her party, so she's not my chancellor. I doubt Germans think that way, right? right. I think Americans are so. We're so tied, even to our history, right? We were colonies, right? We were, we were individual colonies. And those colonies were started for individual, re- particular reasons, right? Maryland was the Catholic colony, right? right. That's why it was called Maryland, Maryland right. right? You had Virginia that was the, you know, the colony that uh, Jamestown and the, and the first actually American colony. And Virginia, the Virgin Queen, right? I mean, like there is a sense where, and of course, Church of England became a major part, a major religion. And so you have all these like different colonies and had different reasons for starting. And they chose to come together to fight against the British. And they chose to come together to form a, a government. And they chose to come together to elect a president. Actually, that's why right. the Electoral College works. States come together to then say, okay, this will be our agreed upon form of government. And we'll make compromises even to make sure that that even is started or established. And so it's such a weird, like, development. Uh, I think this article gets pretty well. Like, we're America and Israel, the only two nations or people that feel this sense of, like, we chose 
to to create this country right. where other nations just kind of progress to that over long periods of time. And the, there's so much to, to, to consider and reflect on and go, do I live in a country where really we don't even know what it means to be what we are? It's such a weird right. existential question, really. Right. And mm. here is the best. This reminded me of uh, one of my favorite history professors I've ever run into and his explanation uh, of this. His name is J. Rufus Fears. He died just uh, a year or two ago. He was at the University of Oklahoma. And here's his explanation. He says, to be American is to be committed to an idea. Uh-huh. Uh, and the idea is... It is a commitment to freedom, mm-hmm. but here's, here's what he said. He said it's, you're, it's, it's actually two freedoms. One, to national freedom, the freedom to govern yourselves under the laws that they had traditionally made for themselves, yeah. the, 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 the commitment to national freedom. The second is the commitment to political freedom, uh, freedom from oppression or coercion, the absence of disabling conditions for an individual and the fulfillment of enabling conditions, or the absence of life Conditions of compulsion, for instance, economic compulsion in a society, uh, often interpreted as, interpreted as freedom from external constraints on action. It can also refer to the positive exercise of rights or capacity. So political freedom is about rights, the ability to go and, and do certain things within reason. Right. Uh, and so national freedom, political freedom, and then finally individual freedom, the right to live as they chose as long as they harmed no one else. So all this to say that... His perspective, and very well-respected historian, incredible presenter. I would encourage you to check out Rufus Fears. Uh, he's got some good stuff on YouTube. Um, but he's basically saying, to be American is to be committed to the idea of freedom. Freedom. And so we should first ask, <laughs> if you went to people today and you said, are you committed to these freedoms for all people? And not only are you committed to them, are you committed so much that it binds you to other people around right. you? And wow, what a, <laughs> if that was, and according to him, that is, that is the central thing that it meant to be American. That is why these men gathered and said, we're going to work on this new country together. Here's its foundation. Let's write a constitution. Let's have a bill of rights. That, that these are the ideas that they then developed. And that is what has been the seed that has held the country together. And when we see... But also its biggest weakness. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And, I, and, and so I am, you know, I'm reminded now we, we uh, have looked at a, a work of Jonathan Haidt. Uh, I listened to him talk about how one thing to be concerned about right now is you have in a country uh, centripetal forces and centrifugal forces, yeah. just meaning forces that pull people together. Right, 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 a war, right. an external enemy pulls people together. Right. But what we are experiencing right now, many of the things we're experiencing right now are exactly the kind of things that you know pushes a people apart. And that's a large concern. It's a concern. It's not just a concern. Anybody who's paying attention to what's going on is concerned about this, and rightfully so. Yeah, and I think freedom is such a, you know, obviously that creates some of the issue of America to to say freedom is the the core of who we are. Well, there's a large group of of people, a a, a, a group, uh, a racial group in our country who go, well, I, the, the founders didn't consider us, right? They didn't give us freedom. Uh, and then you can even say women, like the other, the other gender. Well, we didn't have the right to vote uh, f- up until the 20th century. America had been a country for over a hundred years, had multiple presidents, fought a war, yeah. and women weren't even allowed to vote. Yeah, it, I, I mean, it's crazy to think that. From, and I think that creates some of the, the, the contradictions in America to say freedom, rights right. are its core. However, there's so it's because our history isn't long enough, we can go, well, you know, uh, black people didn't have rights. They were slaves. They were considered three-fifths of a person. That We only did that to appease the Southern right. voters right. so they could have more representation in Congress. They had more delegates in, yep. in Congress. And then women also were not give them the right to vote. Uh, they don't have any any say or any authority in in our in our political pro- process, and and we, even people say the right the vote. Every human has a I mean, every American has the the vote. They have a they can make their voice known. Well, for a long period of our history, we know, you know there was women couldn't vote and blacks couldn't vote. Um, and for one time, if you didn't own land, you couldn't vote, right? right? And right. so I think it. I think freedom is you know people can say well to be American is to have freedom, and then someone will say well. I, I would, I've been a homosexual and I didn't have freedom. I couldn't sure. get married. 
or, you know, so it just, it creates all these different then conflicts that people have. And then there's some people that, as this article gets to, there's self-criticism, I guess, mm-hmm. that starts to be brought in. It's like, well, America is not the land of the free. It's the land that started with slaves, yeah. right? Um, you, you just go on and on and on and on and on. America is not the land of the free. It's the land that sent all the Indians out of their land and yeah. sent them west, right? right. Um, so what does it really mean to be the land of the free when we have so many uh, episodes in our history where freedom wasn't universal? Right. And, and so the first question that comes to my mind as you say all these things is, are these good ideas or not? Are they good ideas poorly executed? Yeah, are they, absolutely. I mean, especially when you think about the historical context, uh, what was going on in the world when the American experiment started? Yes, the, they were good ideas yeah. poorly executed, Ex- yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and I think when you, when you come to the issue of slavery. That, yeah, yeah. Um, different political theories. Um, you uh, mentioned uh, women's right to vote. Individualism says that the smallest unit of society is the individual. If that's not true, if the smallest unit of society is the family, well, then each family did get a vote. Sure. But look, sure. we've settled on the idea that the individual, the atomized individual, a lot of this is about are we sure that telling someone you have no roots, go make your own way, yeah. that that is the certain way to the good life? Right. And in a lot of ways, there's one thing about being American, and that is this utter commitment to go. Disentangle yourself from any commitment if you need to, to go after whatever you think might make you happy. Um, and that is a question, that question right there is probably the central question that, that we are talking about today, because that defines where Americans end up going. I mean, it's it's true for you and me about decisions we've made in our life and where they have taken us. Mm-hmm. How, how much have we considered relationships and what it means that we have been given families and a place that we grew up? Um, what do we do with that? And so we've talked about those things before, but one thing to say at this point, I think, is that that, that issue, that, that assumption that you're an individual if you feel so inclined, cut yourself loose from any connection yeah. and go. Right. That is, that is the American assumption. That is not necessarily held by uh, the rest of the world. In particular, right. this is, we are the extreme of the West in this we regard. Are. We are. Uh, I mean, just for instance. The, some, the weird, remember the weird? Right. Yeah. Wealthy, educated. Uh, Industrialized. Industrial. uh, What is the R? I can't remember the R. Right. But yeah, but I mean, we are like the most extreme of that, right? Right. And I mean, even Mm. the situation we're in right now, the reason that Eastern countries have done a lot better in containing the spread of the pandemic is because when you tell, in general, when you tell someone from an Eastern country, hey, for your own good, here's what the government thinks you ought to do. That is accepted right. much more. Right. In, in the West, and in particularly in, in America, when you are told, this is what, you, what we want you to do. And it, it has been from the beginning the American impulse to go, I, I got about 50 questions. Yeah. I, I am not inclined to just trust any particular oversight. And that's the big difference. And I think, you know, because what, really, what we have going on is uh, the American... Uh, you know, experiment as it's as known as. I think you're right. I think that's what I was saying. Frederick Douglass would agree that the founders were had were right in their principles. It just wasn't executed well, mm-hmm. right? And some of that was because of variables of you know America would never have been established itself as a, an, an independent nation that could combat against the British influence and things like that if they didn't compromise on, on slavery, right? And we can go back and say they were wrong to make that compromise, but it's easy for us. I mean, we're, we're sitting here in 2021, right. and they were sitting there in 1776 right. right. and 1789. Right. So um, it's easy for us to be judges. We weren't even there when all these things were having to be determined within the, the, the stress that were going on that we were, that, you know, with the British looking to invade and influence again, and the French being an empire as well. Um, And so, but, you know, I think the principles are good. I think the principles are still strong and valuable uh, valuable and valid today. 
Uh, and as we continue to struggle shooting them, I think is, is I think is important to, to say. Um, uh, but I think uh, the the issue uh, I've been thinking about this, and I heard someone say this, and I think I, I resonate well. When you go back to Genesis chapter one, uh, the institution we get we get Genesis nine or Genesis nine after the after the flood with Noah, we get the institution of the government, right? Mm-hmm. It's instituted there to if 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 some if a human uh, uh, strikes or kills another human and such blood, then there needs to be a, a consequence, right? And mm-hmm. the government comes in and makes and and, and 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 solves that, right? But before we even get to Genesis nine, though, we have to get, see the institution of the family. The human individual was not the institution. Adam wasn't, all right, Adam, you're on your own. You do what you want to do. He gave him Eve Mm -hmm. to help to what? Multiply. To work and 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 to guard the land, right? right? To cultivate it, they were to work together on this. So that the true institution, and they were married, right? We see the institution yep. of marriage not in Ephesians five or with uh, Adam, uh, Abraham and Sarah. We see the institution of marriage with with Adam and Eve, the first humans. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a huge breakdown because I think why I think America was able to to in a sense. Uh, do well as a nation up until most recently uh, with kind of this extreme individualism is I think the family was very strong. I mean, even in the, in the even in the black community, we've talked about this as well. The, the black community, there was a strong family identity, um, you know, during the 50s and the 60s. And so even though they struggled with the civil rights movement, there was a strong identity of the family, right? And the, and the husband and the wife and raising their children. And, and that has been an issue within the black community of fatherless homes, right? We've mm-hmm. talked about that a lot in our podcast. But I think the family really did bring a lot of order, to the individual, right? There's a sense where, you know, uh, you couldn't do whatever you wanted, right? There was family expectations. There was a sense where if you're going off to college, even if you're going to go off and, and, and improve yourself, you realize where you came from, right? You realize you had, you had your family and you didn't want to let them down. You didn't want to disappoint them. And so you didn't go off and just live recklessly because you knew that it had consequences on your family. I think that in and of itself is something we don't talk about is that, our families are what really give us a sense of, 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 of an understanding where freedom borders are. Right. And it's not just nonchalant, reckless freedom, which I think a lot of times Americans now don't even know how to define freedom. Right. I mean, it's since like, oh, freedom is being able to do whatever you want. Right. Do you really want to do whatever you want? I don't think you'll find that that is the most successful way to the good life, as you mentioned. Right. Right. Um, and so... Since we've gone a lot of different directions, I think a good summary for where we've gotten to so far is what uh, this Tocqueville comment, uh, one of the most widely mentioned comments of his, uh, which is that America is a nation with the soul of a church. Uh, look, we, we believe in certain things, and that's going to be really important throughout this whole discussion today, because we believe and have convictions, and we don't question a lot Mm -hmm. uh, where those convictions are going. But what you just mentioned is the central paradox for a lot of us in our lives, which is we love this idea of choice and being able to just get things and go places and and see what uh, we can fill ourselves with. But we are so uh, nearly at our wit's end as far as destroying the relationships that we need in our quest to have right. all of these choices. Right. And that is true. That is true no matter uh, if you are living in San Francisco or yeah. Dallas or Flint, Michigan or Washington, D.C. That right. The, this paradox in your life, I mean, it has certainly been true for me that a lot of the tension in my life is between the things that I really want and, mm-hmm. and things that I think will be great if I can have these in my life, but what about these relationships that are so important in yeah, my life? Right. And you can look at um, you can look at American culture. I mean, it, it is fascinating to think about this as a lens for things like um, the TV show Friends, mm-hmm. where these people are trying to make a new sort of family together, or the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, where mm-hmm. Will Smith yeah. is coming in, try, and he, he finally finds a family mm-hmm. and has to learn to navigate. Right. What does it mean now that I am a being adopted? Are they really going to adopt me? Do I trust right. them? Do I let them in? And so many different 
um, ways that we love to see people navigate this mm-hmm. because we all are navigating it. Right. We all are. We, it's, it's a central struggle. It's a central challenge of our lives to try to put all that together. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to say in regards to that. I think, um, you know, as we, uh, that, 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 that phrase there, a nation with the soul of a church, you could, you could just tell, like, there's a sense of, um, there's, a, there's a sense of worship when it comes to some of these American ideals. Yep. And, and he talks about this in this book review that America is now in this situation where it's having this awakening, but yet God's not at the center of it, right? right? It's, it's actually anti-God, right? God's not even involved in any way. And even in, the, in these counter, counter tribal revelation, revol- revolutions, that even what you saw on Wednesday, God's not in the center of that. Right. And, and so it's, it's fascinating to mention just while we're here that um, he spends a fair amount of time talking about Black Lives Matter protests yeah. here. What a, what a, it, sometimes an article gets written and then something happens that just raises the bar yep. on the importance of yeah, that absolutely. article and this book right. that after what we saw last Wednesday, this is happening in multiple different places. Yep. So yeah, there's these almost these awakenings that are happening where there's you know what you have with Black Lives Matter. There's this like you know in sixteen the sixteen nineteen uh, project project that New York Times was involved in. It's kind of their like biblical source, right? Mm-hmm. To tell them, all right, we have reasons and justifications to then voice. The, this issue, right? And uh, this is an America that is not an America, a nation of freedom. It's a nation of slavery, right? Mm-hmm. That's, and it's founding. Right. That's what it is. Right. Uh, and so that's this kind of counter-revolution, this awakening that says, what, what is, yeah, we had the civil rights in the 60s, but we haven't really made it that much that far. Mm-hmm. We, and this is who we are. America at its core is racist, you know, so that's what you have going on. It's an awakening, right? right. It's, a, it's a coming to terms. It's a, re, it's a sense of like there's sin that's been committed right. and you have committed it and you need to repent of that sin. Right. And you have a group saying, no, no, I'm not repenting of anything. I didn't do any of that. Right. I wasn't there. I didn't make you a slave. I didn't, uh, I didn't, I, I wasn't in control of the hoses and the, the dogs that bit your, your parents or your, your grandparents during the civil rights movement. That wasn't me. Right. And so I don't need to repent of anything. Actually, you should be thankful that you live in a land of freedom. You know, you should be thankful that you live in this country and not some other country, right? But so there, but then the, their awakening is a sense of of uh, American exceptionalism. Right. It's it's uh, a view of America has gone away from its initial core. We were a Christian nation. We're a nation uh, created out of out of the Bible, and we should be in the Bible back. And that's the problem with our country. And we right. all all need to repent for for pushing us away from God, right, and Christianity. But yet, God really isn't in the center of that because he even solves about, it's not about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness is not even a part of that movement. It's, it's again, you need to repent. You need to be, uh, you need to be thankful. Uh, forgiveness and humility is not even anywhere near mm-hmm. anything being talked about or the attitudes of. I mean, what do you saw on Wednesday was an awakening that said, uh, we need to, uh, we need to, in a sense, like with you see with Cana, we need to clear out the the snakes and the the idol worshippers, and we need to bring purity. Right. Whoa. Right. And that reminds me of uh, mm. the stuff that we talked about regarding campus protests yes. and trying to cleanse the space. Yeah. That this is a religious impulse to yeah. look at a space and go, there are evildoers. In, I mean, think about it in Old Testament terms. There, there are evildoers in the Holy of Holies. This is, uh, this is heresy. This yep. is an affront. All I know is, I mean, this is an emotional. All I know is they have to be cleansed. cleansed. They have to be cleared. Yeah. And um, it's, not a, it's not an impulse centered in, in thought. It's a, it's a direct emotional uh, reaction to what's going on. And... and and uh, a good summary of, of what's happening there is this quote from the article. When American religion goes wrong, it goes mad, he says in here. Yeah. Uh, in, in a lot of ways, I think that to be American is to be an extremist, to be ready. You know, it's almost like, um, it's like we're a lawnmower ready to just fill ourselves with whatever fuel might come around. Right. And then we put something in there and all right. of a sudden the thing rockets out. 
and blows up. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's a lot of what we do uh, and, and have done, in a sense, as Americans, is we're open to trying stuff. A lot of times, those experiments go really bad, but uh, boldness is the American way. Yeah, very uh, much practicality, virtue. see what works, give yeah, it a shot. Give it a you shot. Know, that, and, and we do that. You know, uh, you could look around the world and go, you know, some people try things. Well, we try things with the deepest parts of ourselves. Right. We are open to trying to fill that space to make true and deep happiness come to us. We'll try just about anything. Yeah, I mean, you have so many stories about... I mean, even guys like... Let's just take uh, Dave Ramsey, for example, the, the man who's on the airways every day talking about getting out of debt. That man went into debt. Like, that's the reason why it all started. He, right. he, went, he went all in on houses, right? right? I mean, he bought so many houses and tried to flip so many houses yeah. at once. He went into debt, right? That's right. America. Right. <laughs> it's Dave Ramsey. Then you know what he does? I know what I'll do. I'll take this experiment I went with, this experience, and I'll flip it and turn it into a business, right. which is what financial peace is. Yeah. It's a man who failed at a business who then created a new business out of the failure of the business. Only in America could that right. happen, right? Right. Uh, and that's kind of its, its strength and weakness, you know, individualism, passion. Uh, I'm throwing all, that, my, all myself into something that creates a nation full of entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. right? Who create businesses and create uh, opportunity and things like that. It goes to the West to expand uh, American territory. Uh, it's kind of in our, our DNA. It's who we are. Um, but that creates some, some faultiness as well, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, I think it's interesting when America, when religions are, go wrong, America goes mad. I think is again it continues to to kind of show, you know, when 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 secularism and nuns as a growing trend in America, more people, you know, Harvard does this study every year when they they do a kind of a a survey of the religious uh, uh, views of their freshman class and they come in and. Every year, a growing number of nuns. Nuns. I don't identify with any religion. I don't identify with any religion. And so you, you see, but yet, as an American, as they're raised in this culture of of boldness and 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 you know, try anything. Don't be afraid of failure. Uh, you know, how does that fit in with a godless worldview? Right. And I think you're seeing some of this on display on CNN, on you know, YouTube and things like that. And right. so um, it's fascinating just as people who study religion and say mm-hmm. the Bible, this is an interesting place to be. Right, because here's, a, here's one of the central claims that we're making today. Um, okay, so yes, when American religion goes wrong, it goes mad, but, he, but here's why. Uh, you and I both believe that behind this expectation, this conviction that there ought to be justice in this world. That is a Christian conviction. It is, yeah. I, I very much believe if you had gone to ancient Rome and said, don't you think that those people, those, those rulers will get what they deserve? I really think people would have said, they never do. That's right. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> And, and, and how different that is when nobody really believes that wrongs will be made right. Right. But we, we have a conviction that they should be. And listen, as Christians, we believe that right. wrongs should be made right. Right. Uh, we believe that everything that, every evil, large and small, that has ever been done will be answered for. Yeah. And not only do we believe that, we believe even better news that the evils that you and I have done have been answered for by Jesus Christ who came and sacrificed himself and paid for the sins of those who who, who he said, come and be found in me and be made new. I will pay for your sins. There's forgiveness. Mm. Okay, here's the thing. What we have right now is this statement uh, in a lot of corners. You are wrong. You are horribly wrong. You are evil. And then they only reward... If you were to admit that you are evil, that you have done evil, yeah. is that's right. So be shamed. Yeah. Be shamed forever. Right. Go, go sit in the corner. Right. And by the way, you have no guarantee that I won't bring this up again right. in a year or right. five years or right. 10 or 20. Right. Listen, <laughs> yes, 
Sin is a Christian doctrine. It's a Christian recognition. It's right. a real thing. Right. And here's the thing about it. Un- unfortunately uh, for us fallen humans, the reality of sin is just about the most obvious theological reality you can get. Sin is there in front of our face all the time. Yeah. But when you live in a society that just says, that's right, you've been found out, now you can expect temporal punishment that has no defined end. Right. Leading to we know not what. Yeah. The, the basically beyond that, I, I would say the average American default right now is kind of agnosticism. Yeah. Who knows what's going on? There's a lot of opinions about what happened beyond there. But what we know right now is that you've done wrong and yeah. you answer for it. And this is the thing about an awareness of sin. You know it demands eternal punishment. You yeah. know it demands, listen, here's the thing about somebody who's killed someone. You can punish them and it doesn't bring that person back. No. The sense of that wrong does tell you it's more than just temporal. Yeah. And, and, and we admit that. This is the thing. As Christians, we admit that. But this world right now has a sense that evil is worse than any punishment can pay for. Mm. And so all we have right now is people saying, I found evil. And if you admit to it, all I can promise you is perpetual shaming. Yeah. And no redemption. Because redemption is more than just, okay, I'll leave you alone. Redemption means you're out of the slavery of that sin. Right, right. You don't, you're not, you know, I mean, we believe that if you're in your sin, you're a slave to the devil. Right. And you are in, in the claws of forces that want to destroy you. But this promise that you can be freed from it and, and your sins don't have to define you anymore. Right. Uh, that is the good news. And we live right now, in, and not just in, this is the thing about this, not just in the church, our whole country is walking around right now knowing only sin and no redemption. And that is just yeah. brutal. That's just brutal. Yeah, I like how, like, you know, when you read about this, you know, America is a nation started by Protestants. Uh, and so the identity of sin is very much understood, right? Right. Uh, and so I feel like America is this nation that has has all these Christian, like, terminology. Uh, like, they understand what sin is. They, under, they don't, under, they, but they, they get, understand the word forgiveness. They understand the word, like, rights. And they under, mm-hmm. understand the word freedom. And they understand the words, like, uh, salvation and justice. Mm-hmm. But yet they have no context they have no biblical rooting of any of these concepts so it's like when we talk about sin you know sin is like well you're a sinner and that is your identity and you'll never be anything else uh and so and you uh you know uh, i want forgiveness well forgiveness i'll forgive you but i'll never forget it well Forgive, you don't understand the word forgiveness forgiveness right. is a terminology where the person forgiving a person is taking on the punishment. Okay, right. I'm going to take on the debt, and you're clean of the debt. But people don't understand that as forgiveness. They say, no, 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 forgiveness is saying the word forgiveness, being kind and, and, and okay with you, but if you ever do anything wrong again, I'm going to bring it back up again. That's, right. That's not forgiveness, right. that you never forgave the person. Right. So you, you say you understand the word, but you actually don't understand the word. And I think the reason why people, they use these terminologies, they use these things, but they have no... Christianity to root it in. And so therefore we have the idea of freedom and freedom is like, well, freedom is whatever, uh, you know, it helps me. But if you say anything that harms me or con- contradicts with me, well, then you're not letting me be free. Right. You know, well, that's not what freedom is, you right. know? Um, or, um, if the, uh, if, the, if the definition of, as you were saying, a, a sinner uh, is you know, someone who's committed a wrong and you've always committed that wrong and you'll never be able to get out of, of that wrong. And I think you're seeing kind of the, again, the, the issue of secular religion and, and nuns where they've grown up with all this terminology. You, you know, they went to Catholic catechisms or they went to mainland Protestant churches or maybe they grew up in evangelical churches. They heard all these things in vacation Bible school or child or in children's ministry or uh, Sunday school class, but they never understood what it actually meant. Yeah. 
And, and, and so they've been gr- groomed and discipled and all of these ideas, but they don't even know what these ideas are really rooted in. And, and they don't understand the idea of redemption and grace. And they don't understand salvation. They don't understand that someone who's wicked and evil and a sinner can actually be transformed and redeemed by Christ. They don't understand that concept. Right. You know, they're, they're, they're working off an idea that God, God is not there, but yet we love freedom we love uh, salvation. We love uh, uh, this idea of, of redemption, but yet we don't even know where those come from. Right. We don't even know where they come from. Right. And, and so what's strange about it is, is you have to say, please recognize where we are and what we're doing, but then start pulling that string to get further. Because, you know, for instance, uh, something like racism would be considered the great sin, the, yeah. the most evil sin right now. And we agree as yeah, Christians absolutely. that racism is a sin. Yeah. But uh, something like slavery, for instance, is a result of greed right. plus pride. Right. Uh, Christianity and people, ancient Christians have done the work of getting to the bottom of what are the real destructive elements inside of humans. And... Uh, so, for instance, uh, even though it's not a terribly evangelical thing, the seven deadly sins, yeah. uh, I have tried to memorize them because, look, I think this is destroying everybody that I know. Yeah. And if we can't, uh, so I, you've got, uh, I came up with this uh, mnemonic device, uh, peg slag, <laughs> pride, envy, greed, Sloth, lust, anger, wrath, and gluttony. Yeah. That these things threaten to destroy all of us, everybody that I know and everybody that I love. Yeah. And love is not to say, hey, go be free. Right. Submit to your whims. Right. And be surprised when they betray you, because some of them will. Right. Look, that's not love. That's not love. That's not love at all. Right. Love is actually saying to someone, I know you have blind spots, I know you have weaknesses, and I will take care of you. Right. And please trust me that when, when I tell you that thing over there looks like you want it, but it's not good for you, that at least we can pause and reconsider. Because that's what we're here for with each other. That's why we have family. That's why we have friendships. Ultimately, in the church, we have each other to say we're bound together. I can't blow off my brother. I can't. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm told by God, no, I put you in this relationship because I, I love you. This is one of those safeguards that I put in there for you. And so that's there and it's needed. Yeah. Uh, there's so much more we could probably talk about in regards to a lot of stuff. Um, um, this article is fairly long, and um, I'm not sure what else you wanted to to get at with this particular book review. Right. Um, so I, I want to mention that we do not think critically um, about the waters that we swim in as far as, you know, for instance, I remember uh, uh, one time I, it occurred to me, uh, thinking about some of the difficulties that we were having and understanding each other, uh, I thought, well, who would I, who, who of my friends could I get to explain, say, black culture? Yeah, sure. And then I went, wait, if I was to ask that, could I explain white culture to them? And no. No way. I don't understand what, what anybody might call white culture. Right. I think there sort of is maybe a thing like that. But think about what that is, this un, undefined sort of... Right. And, and these vague things that we kind of know are there, we, we spend so little time even paying attention to them, and we don't know what these are. Yeah, I think and, that's good. And meanwhile... A lot of these things are being used to define right. uh, what happens around us, and it's, it's not useful that way. Yeah. I, yeah, I think, uh, I don't even know how I would explain myself um, in regards to, like, white culture. I don't even know how to explain my culture. Like, who am I? Like, what, right. you know, I've got some uh, things that I, I like. I've got some, some weaknesses and, and things that I struggle with and things that easily distract me. Uh, but I have things that I really enjoy that are quirky, that... Uh, other people don't like. Uh, I have some things that I that I like that I connect with other people over, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think um, it's hard for me sometimes to. Uh, I think I struggle even to identify as an American sometimes because um, 
uh, I go to other countries and, and they have such a strong culture and I really appreciate it. And I'm like, Oh, I want to be like them. You know, I want to be mm-hmm. Swedish. Yeah, or, yeah. And so when I, when I did, I, like, I bought a, I bought a, I bought a Subaru. I bought a, 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 a station wagon cause all the Swedes drive it. Right. Like, oh, this yep, seems yep. practical. Yep. Yeah. I want to be practical. And, uh, I'm going to start like, uh, riding my bike. I'm going to start wearing clothes that are more formal than mm-hmm. most Americans wear. Or I just want to be European. I want to be different. Like, yep. and it was a kind of a, a, a viewpoint when I came home from, from Sweden. It's like, I want to be European. I want to be different. I don't want to be like Americans who like wear, you know, they wear t-shirts and sweatpants and they, or, or, they don't eat right. And uh, that, all that, all that stuff. It's just like, I want to be cultured, sure. you know? And there's a sense that like, uh, I, I, there is a sense of self-righteousness that gets puffed up where you're like, yeah. ah, see the Americans, we don't do it right. They do it right over there. Well, and, and I always, and I do the same with England. I do the thing. I'm like English, man. They talk better than we do. Uh, <laughs> I think they're cooler than we are. Like they just have a <laughs> sense of like the Englishness, the style, the way that they, I just like, I didn't want to be English. But now. it's so yeah. funny to me that you are saying this right now, because in thinking about this specific issue today in uh, another book I'm reading right now, uh, Orthodoxy by G.K. Chesterton, yeah. and he mentions Robinson Crusoe and how uh, Crusoe has salvages off of his ship this list of items. And this item, this list of items becomes so important because it's what he has to survive right, right. on this island. But to me, that's a great metaphor for what it is to be American. Yeah. You look around and you find things yeah, you and you're like, I really things. like this yes. and this and this. Yes. And then you hold on to these. Yes. And, and, and whether those things are both physical things as well as kind of certain attributes personality characteristics that yeah. we pick up and we kind of go, I think this will serve me well. I think yeah. this will be very useful to me. Yeah. That's a lot of what we do yeah. is we pick up stuff and we go, I don't know what else to do, but just to kind of pick up what I can pick up and try to make it. Yeah. Uh, I think you're right. I think even the, um, I think even to a point when, I, since I've been living in the Midwest and I grew up in the South, I go, ah, oh, yeah. And I, identify with my southernness, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'll go, I, I like sweet tea. That's uh, southern. And mm-hmm. I'll like, oh, the southern, people in the south are just nicer. They, mm-hmm. They're just more kind. They'll tell you, how, how are you doing? They may not care, but who, you don't care. They're just being kind. They're nice. Right. Hey, I'll do that up in the Midwest. Like, what's wrong with y'all? And it's like, ah, yeah. They feel more rooted to where I grew up. So you should feel like zero. But then when you live there, you're like, ah, the South, you know, they're so ignorant. Uh, they all they care about is their Southern heritage and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just there's a sense. I think you're right. Where it's like, uh, what are the things that I like? And let me gather them together. Oh, that, that's who I am. Mm-hmm. And we're building these individual cultures. But I think it helps when you get married, right? When you get married, you start to ah, I don't necessarily identify. I'm not trying to, to create me. Right. I have another person, and so their strength become my strengths. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even though I'm a little, as a personality, I'm a little bit more shy around people. My wife's not that way at all. So I get that. All right. Every time I go to a party or a social gathering, I have someone to hang out with. Yeah. Yeah. This is perfect. Right. Before I had nobody, but now I have somebody. I think I get, I think Americans need to look back and go who I am as an individual has a lot to do where I came from, uh, the family that I, that I, that I had where I grew up my new family, like my wife and my kids. Um, and then that really is kind of where we are as, as a core of who we are. And, okay. and as a culture, we, we hang out and spend time with people. Um, and, and we spend a lot of time with people. They start to also, we tend to share a culture, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when you go to a church, you tend to share the same culture as the other people you go to church with because you right. spend a lot of time with them. You right. pray with them. You right. open God's word together. You worship together. And you start to go, what is it? Who am I? Well, I am who I am by where I was born and where, where I was raised, what home I raised, my wife and my family, where I go to church, maybe where I, where I culturally or community-wise where I live and work. But I don't start to think, I don't think anymore, what does it mean to be American? Like, right. that's just such a question I never asked myself. And I think a lot of Americans probably really can't answer that question because there is so much separation. There's so much uniqueness as an American where if you lived in Sweden or you went to Sweden, a lot of Swedes have a similar uh, identity, right? Yeah. They wear similar clothes. Uh, a lot of their parents are very similar. Mm-hmm. They grow all, all their houses are similar in shape and sizes. They all uh, ride bicycles. They all eat the same food. They all like the same thing. Right. And you have a whole nation that uh, has similar identity. Yep. We don't have that. Right. We don't have that. Um, and 
That's a simple fact. We have a lot of different kinds of people, and we have continued to gain different kinds of people, and that has been the strength of the country. The real question is now, how are we going to work together, live together, solve problems together as, as we have to? And lest anyone think right now, well... I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go down this uh, road. Uh, I, I think it's working okay as it is. I just don't think that it is. And the, here's two yeah. kinds of evidence that it's that we've got to both go deeper and take the scales off of our eyes and look more clearly at, at what we're dealing with now. Uh, one is there's a significant part of this uh, book and then this this article to talk about self-loathing. Talk yeah. about issues that we are having with really um, depression and uh, base issues of really complete cynicism about us, about being able to fix our problems. Um, And, I mean, it ties back, we were talking earlier about the people who came to this country. Some of them were Puritans, which is one of the kind of like low tiers uh, as far as appreciation goes. But look, a Puritan is somebody who knows what sin is and knows they are very against it. Yes. And we live among a people who know what sins they believe are heinous and know that they are against it. That is a very Puritan notion. And But when the Puritans came to terms with it and they knew that they had a Savior, they could lead happy lives. We are a people who are not quite sure how to lead happy lives, and the experiments we've been working on are not succeeding. Yeah, I mean, and just being able to do whatever you want or have complete freedom is not the way to happiness. That's right. I mean, it's Americans not- have all the wealth you could have, and Americans aren't happy. Right. So I- therefore, like, this experiment of, like, just do what you want doesn't lead to happiness. So we have to go, where is another source of content or substance by which we can understand what does it mean to be have a happy joyful life right and look ask yourself what do you do with your regrets right where do you go with those right what do you do with the shame that lives inside of you you've got to do something with that it is not working to just go i'm not gonna pay attention to it hope it goes away it doesn't it just doesn't and those memories will come back and you will beat yourself up over and over again there's no way right to to medicate yourself out of it. There's no way to convince yourself it was all okay. The people that I hurt, it's okay. Yeah. The, the things that I said that I regret, it's okay. No, yeah. you, you will not do that. But here's the second thing. We have been walking around uh, and in, in, in cultural ways going, you are failing my standard. Right, right. And we are at the point, if we're not careful, all this about to happen is people will hear from, uh, from, from a purely cultural perspective, if you're just saying you're failing my standards, someone will soon say, I don't care about your standard. Right. I don't want anything to do with you. Right. I, I, I don't care. I'm not a part of your group. Makes right. no difference to me. Right. And, and, and that's just, I don't want to be there. Right. Look, I, I believe as a Christian and as a citizen, it's my responsibility to think about the common good. How, how do we make this country better for everybody? And then within that, even a higher calling is to love my neighbor right. and especially to lay down my life right. every day, little by little. Right. So that, that, is, that is what my calling is. But we can't just assume that people will bow to whatever standards we're putting up if, if we don't have anything that binds us together. Right. And so... Yes, I mean, what, what we've been saying today is that the basis for what we're seeing in this country, there is a Judeo-Christian foundation yeah. that even founders like Thomas Jefferson, who was not a believer, right. realized that the moral foundation, the, the frame of morality was Christian, and we're living in it. Right. Listen, this is not a Christian country. This is, this is a, a country committed to liberty. Right. And within that... The church has done better in this country. We haven't, there's so many different directions we've been going. These countries that we've been mentioning, like England, like Germany, look, being attached to the state killed the Christian church largely right. exactly. in those countries. Exactly. Meanwhile, there is hope here right. for healing because we have had this yep. separation of church and state and for it. So we can go forward with this. It's just... Pulling the scale from scales from our eyes, seeing what we're right. actually dealing with, and not accepting these easy answers like "I'll 
I'll blow it off and it'll get better. It won't. Yeah, I think you make a good point. I, people, um, I think you're seeing you're seeing that they don't they don't care what your expectations are. Do you think like you know I've heard people say you know like well you know those who are part of Black Lives Matter you know they would just like you know. Uh, dedicate themselves to uh, education and making themselves better and, and showing up to work without like, uh, you know, earrings in their ears and pulling up their pants, you know, they'd get, you know, they'd be better and they don't care. They don't care if that's what your expectation is. Like they don't care. That doesn't, they, they don't think they should have to fit your expectation right. to have freedom and rights and be right. able to, to have justice. Right. And you have the, the group that are in the part of the pro-Trump. They don't care right. what their, your, your expectations are. If you say you shouldn't support a man that, you know, thinks he can um, touch women wherever he wants to touch them and can speak the way that he speaks and tell, say, tell people what he thinks of them so freely and without any regret or any sense of holding back, you shouldn't support that person. You're disgraced. You're deplorable. Mm -hmm. They don't care. They could care less that Hillary Clinton thinks they're deplorable. They don't care. It fuels them. So I think this idea that a group of people need to just fix all of their issues to fit your expectations, that's never going to happen. You know, maybe that happened in the 50s and the 40s when there was a stronger authoritative understanding, but not anymore. That's not happening. So, and I think, so how do you... As you said, like as we've been talking about, you know, pursuing the the the, the happy life, the life that is good, right? Uh, obviously, that is from God, is in Christ, right? And and following His Word and abiding in Him, as John fifteen says. And I think as individuals who believe in Christ and strive to abide in Him and abide in His love, it in knowing that that leads to joy. Therefore, we have to pursue people regardless of, of who, what tribe they're in or wherever, uh, whoever they identify as, either that be, they identify as transgender, identify as uh, Black Lives Matter, I mean, gay rights, or they identify as a victim, whatever the terminology they want to identify themselves as. We can't just say, okay, you be you, or how dare you be a victim all the time, or how dare you identify, identify. We have to pursue and, and, and share the gospel with them and say, is this really leading to, to joy? Do you, are you really, do you sense, do you have hope? You seem yeah. like you're discontent. You seem like you're striving and seeking after something and you want people, you want validation, you want this so badly, but yet you don't have it. You're still seeking mm-hmm. it. I'll tell you that you'll continue to seek it and you'll continue to fail unless you find it in Christ. You know, and, and I think we as Christians and as a church have to show patience right. and generous and being generous and loving and gentle and compassionate and humble. Right. If we're going to be able to, to help people get out of their discontentment and actually have hope. Right. Yeah. I mean, the statement is it's there. Give it a it's shot. There. Yeah. I mean, the, the acceptance is there in Christ. Yeah. He, he says, listen, walk with me and let's find out who you really are. Yeah. Uh, yes. You're reading his word. You will find certain things. He will say, that's not you. Right. And, and that's, that's hard. There are things that you and I thought when we came to Christ that, what I now recognize is greed. That was not me. Mm-hmm. I am thankful to Christ now for breaking me of it. Because right. look, there are things that we treasure in our souls that He one day He says, "Won't you let that go?" And yeah. we find that was not that was not me. That was that that threatened to destroy every relationship in my life. The things that were truly life giving, and, um, and and so that's that's the hope that we have. Is not that that we humans can fix everything. Right. There is a God in heaven who forgives sins yep. and and already has uh, opened himself to us in Christ to forgive anything. And man, what 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 glory and hope there is in, in love, in true love that he says, as far as the East is from the West, that's how far your sins will be forgiven. I, I, I mean, think about 1 Corinthians 15, love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. He's not right. looking, you're not going to admit your sin and then he brings it up. Right. A year from now, five years from now, going, I remember what kind of person you are. Because now you're new. Yeah. You're new. So it's great. I'll, I'll say this, too, as a, maybe as a way to uh, come to a conclusion here. Yeah. I think uh, the reason why I think I struggle with uh, this idea of what does it mean to be American is, um, is that the more and more you grow in your understanding of God's Word, the more you, you grow in your love of Christ— the less you identify with your nation, I think. Right. I think you you identify more right. 
actually, it's so crazy. If, if you've never had this experience, I want to encourage you to, to, to get an opportunity to go. When you go to another country and you meet a fellow brother and sister in Christ, and you realize, well, I have more in common with you right. than I do with my own, own nation. And you're like, how is that? How is that? You don't right. speak the same language as me. You don't eat the same food as me. You don't look like me. Right. You don't wear similar clothes as me. But yet I have more in common with you. What is going on? It's, it's, it's not physical. You right. can't identify it anywhere physically. You can only identify it spiritually. Right. And the rest of the world will never understand that. And you're, maybe if you have family members who aren't Christian or friends that aren't Christian, they may not understand that. But I think, uh, I believe that the more older and older I get, the le- it's harder for me to identify as an American. It's harder for me to find... What does it make? What is it, how do I how do I identify as an American? How do I identify with my fellow Americans? Sure. I struggle more sure. the older I get sure. with that because I I realize that there is something going on that I don't identify necessarily primarily with a nation. I identify primarily with my Savior and Lord, yep. and I have brothers and sisters in Christ there, and that's sure. my primary identity. And so, actually, I do have more in common with my Chinese brother and sister as they struggle with a dictatorship, I identify more with them than I do with my fellow countrymen. Yeah. Yeah. So we have layers of our identity. Yeah. So I am an American. It's a layer there, but the core. The core. is just exactly what you were talking about. And I think with that Christ. being said, we have to help people who struggle. They identify with their nation. They identify right. with their government. They yep. identify with their race. Right. And we have to help them not go, well, you need to be fixed. We need to help you identify better with the right group of Americans or the right governmental understanding or the right race understanding. Mm-hmm. No, no. We need to help them identify with Christ. Yeah. And that's where unity will, will come. Justice will come and all yeah. these other things we talked about. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, this has been uh, Empires of the Future. Yes. And we'll see you in the future. All right. Song got a lot.